Good morning to you and Merry Christmas. I'd like to speak to you today from one verse of Scripture. It is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And the title of the sermon today is The First Hymn. I'm not sure this was the first hymn, but it was an early hymn, early in the, the life, the history of the church. 1 Timothy 3.16 is a little hymn, maybe a creed that they would say together in the ancient church. So we imagine entering this church in the city of Ephesus. That's where Timothy was the overseer. He was pastor there in Ephesus. On this particular day, maybe this particular night, because they would meet at night sometimes, we enter the church. It's much smaller than this, this uh, auditorium. Uh, it's actually not a dedicated church building. It's a lecture hall. They're meeting as a church in this lecture hall, and they've set it up like a synagogue. There's a big chair in the middle, that's where the teacher would sit. There are oil lamps pouring out a little bit of light and a lot of smoke. <laughs> and off to the side, there's a lectern where the scripture reader, the cantor, the chanter, would read the scripture. And so he begins with our text. Can you put the first slide up? Don't have it? Okay, the first slide is 1 Timothy 3.16, if you'd like to turn there. In your Bible or on your phone, your device. This single verse... For our sermon today, 1 Timothy 3.16, the first hymn of the early church. My device is sinking, it's catching up with us. Here we go. And it goes like this. He was manifested, or he appeared, in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Now, the first hymn is poetry, and it's skillfully written. You know when you translate, when you go from one language to another, you, you lose some of those elements of poetry. But in the original language, which was Greek, uh, the, each line actually rhymes. Each line ends in the sound, the syllable, the. It goes like this, ethanirothe, he appeared. Edekai Othe, he was preached. Othe, he was seen. Can you say with me, Thay, everybody together? Thay. 
So let's do it together. Ephonero, say. Edekaio, oaf. And so, it's... <laughs> so it's, it's musical, it's poetry. And then following that fey sound, uh, there's the little, uh, little preposition n, like our word in. And it's a nice little poem. It's musical. It also moves. It has movement. It starts with the incarnation. It starts in Bethlehem. He appeared in a body. And where does it end? He was taken up in glory. That's the ascension. It goes from Riches to rags and back to riches again. So this little creed, this little poem is a little gem of the early church. But even though it's skillfully written, it's not particularly clear. I mean, that happens with poetry. It's compacted language, right? There's a lot packed into each line. So, so it's nicely written, but it's not particularly clear. So let me just take it uh, one line at a time. He appeared in a body. That's the incarnation. That's Christmas. We're doing a series called The Songs of Advent. This is one of the songs. He came to earth. Now, how did that happen? How did God become human? How did the limitless one become limited? How did the eternal one have a beginning? We don't know precisely. This is a mystery. In fact, the very first line before what you're looking at on the screen, the line right before this, it says, great is the mystery of godliness. But this is the Christian faith. God himself, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal one, the son of the father, begotten, not made, came to earth. He appeared in a body. Hebrews says, a body you have prepared for me. One of our Christmas songs, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail to the incarnate deity. Pleased as a man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this mystery causes some people to doubt uh, the Christian faith because it just sounds like science fiction. It just sounds so far out there. But for me, it actually strengthens my faith. It, it, let me explain. Because um, if I could fully understand God, if this old mind could fully, you know, if I could, if I could uh, wrap God up in nice uh, packing paper and if I could carry him around in my hip pocket and if I had this whole thing down, if I could understand God, I don't know, that would make me feel like, is this just an invention of mine? 
I mean, we can't even understand physical reality. I'm talking about the space-time continuum. I'm talking about string theory, whatever that is. I'm talking about uh, uh, dark matter, whatever. That's supposed to be like 90% of the universe is dark matter, whatever. If we can't even understand physical reality, how are we going to understand God? And so the fact that this incarnation is a mystery makes me feel like, yeah, that makes sense. Great is this mystery. He appeared in a body. Second line, he was vindicated by the Spirit. Now, that's a difficult phrase. Uh, what does it mean? It's probably referring to Jesus' baptism. Remember, this, this, this poem moved. So he came to earth, Bethlehem, and then 30 years later, he was baptized, vindicated by the Spirit. You remember, the heavens opened up, the Spirit of God, remember, descended like a dove and alighted upon him, the voice out of heaven, the Father, this is my son, uh, I'm, I'm well pleased with him. He was vindicated or justified or a sign of approval or a stamp of approval by the Spirit. See, here's the idea. Jesus just looked like everyone else. He just... Just a regular guy, he you know, dressed like everyone else, he talked like everyone else, but he wasn't just like everyone else. And so the Spirit said, look, listen, the Son of God, he was witnessed to, he was vindicated by this baptism that happened. This is my Son, my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Let me see if I can illustrate this, this vindicated or justified by the Spirit. You ever watch uh, Antiques Roadshow? So this is a very typical scenario on Antiques Roadshow. Someone will bring in some junk or something. They don't know if it's worth anything. And uh, then the appraiser, the expert, you know, auctioneer, appraiser will take it and they'll look for signs and marks and, oh, it's worth so much money. Let's say that you are cleaning out your house, you're doing the KonMari method, and you find grandpa's old harmonica. It's really old. It was handed down, you know, through the generations. It still works. And you think, man, this thing's old. It's still in nice shape. Uh, I'm going to take it into Antiques Roadshow and see, you know, see what the... And uh, just, you think it's junk, you know, you're going to get rid of it. And the appraiser takes it. And he gets a gleam in his eye. And it's like, hang on, hang on now. And he turns it this way and that. There's a mark on it. There's a mark. This is not just some old harmonica. This was crafted, handcrafted in the early 1800s by the grand master of all harmonica ma makers, Professor Hingelschluck Boomer from Berlin, Germany. You have a genuine Hingelschluck Boomer. It is worth $90,000. What was the sign of value, because it just looks normal. It was that mark. It was that sign of the, the Professor Boomer. You follow me? It vindicated, it witnessed to, it attested, it 
It's as if it's a real thing. And that's what this spirit did. This is the real thing. Next phrase. He was seen by angels. That is a shorthand, compact sentence. It probably refers to the resurrection. Because uh, it's a shorthand way of the New Testament uh, describing the different resurrection appearances. The angels were there. They saw the, the stiff limbs flex. They saw the waxy skin grow warm again. His wounds were healed. And the angel saw it. He rose. Next phrase. He was preached among the nations. So now we fast forward. We jump up to uh, the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world and, and uh, make disciples of all the nations, teaching, baptizing, teaching them to follow me. He was preached among the nations. The gospel went and went over that direction, maybe with Thomas to Persia and India. The gospel went up north, north and west into Europe. They took the gospel. They went down uh, south and west to, to Africa. And the gospel, and he was preached among the nations. And today, we are living, did you know this? In the greatest era of missionary expansion and preaching and ministry in the history of the world. More people today are hearing the gospel. And as the next line says, he is being believed on in the world. Now, uh, this, uh, this growth of the church be, being believed on in the world. It's not going so great in the United States. It's okay. It's not going very well in Europe, but in Africa, in India, in China, the, the South America, the church is exploding. And this hymn says, he was preached among the nations. He was believed on in the world. People responded. And then what? It concludes with he was taken up in glory. That's the ascension. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. And at this remembrance of the first advent, we look forward to the second advent with joy and with holy fear, he is coming again. And so the text says he appeared in a body. He was vindicated or argued for or justified by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. That's the resurrection. Preached among the nations. Believed on in the world. Taken up in glory. May I give you two applications for this one verse. Application number one. Let doxology motivate ministry. You say, Pastor Jeff, where does that come from? Let, let doxology, let praise, let, let the joy of the Lord motivate 
your service. Where'd that come from? It comes from the context of this verse. We have just taken one verse, we've, we've lifted it out of its context and airdropped it into this sermon. But do you, if you have your Bible open, what's, what's, what's Paul talking about here in 1 Timothy? What's the context? He's talking about everyday normal church life. He's got instructions to the deacons. He's got, uh, you know, how, how, to, how to serve and minister to the widows among you and just, you know, regular, regular church life. And then, boom, the first hymn. It, it kind of breaks up the flow of the context. And so here's the idea. It's almost as if the Apostle Paul is saying, when you go about your normal church life, don't forget, you are serving the Lord Christ who appeared in a body. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was taken up in glory. Don't forget, in your church life, when you write a check or if you swipe your plastic, be motivated by this vision of Christ you are involved in something bigger than just writing a check. Let the joy of the Lord, let this vision of Christ, let, you might say, let the gospel story motivate writing a check, chasing the toddlers, sitting in a board meeting, doing church cleanup. <laughs> let doxology motivate your ministry. Second application, final one. Believe in him. Trust him. As multitudes have done around the world. That's why he came. So that we would believe. And by believing, have eternal life in his name. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Have you ever placed your faith consciously and overtly? Have you ever said, Lord, I don't trust myself for my own salvation. That's going to get me nowhere. But you came. <coughs> I trust you. I believe in you. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. If you would like to believe in him, you might pray just silently in your, in your own heart something like this. Dear Lord, your book says that you sent Jesus and he came to forgive our sins. Your book says that many people have believed in him. I want to be part of that group. Please make me one of your people. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this first hymn of the church that reminds us of our Lord Jesus, his life, his work. Help us to believe. In his name we pray. Amen.